Welcome to MedTech Chat, where we discover the latest healthcare tools, device technology, as well as research approaches. We'll be talking to designers, insight professionals, and other executives to better understand how MedTech is helping patients and those caring for them now and in the future. So today I'm very excited to be talking to Adam Sampson. For over a decade, Adam has conducted clinical trials across multiple therapeutic areas as a clinical research coordinator, clinical research associate, project manager, and director within academia, research sites, CROs, pharma, and tech. He currently serves as senior director of clinical operations at CureBase, a software and services purpose-built for decentralized and virtual clinical trials. Adam also serves as adjunct faculty at the George Washington University in the Master's in Clinical Research Administration program. He is an active member of working groups within the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative, Decentralized Trials and Research Alliance, Digital Therapeutics Alliance, and Health XL, focused on areas such as decentralized trials, participant engagement, clinical trial design, and clinical evidence generation. His main goal is to improve clinical trial experience for patients by leveraging digital technologies. So thanks for joining me today, Adam. Thanks so much, Tom. And yeah, thanks to the listeners. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So yeah, if you could kind of tell us all about the kind of work you're doing uh, in clinical trials. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, so yeah, my, my background in clinical trials, as, as you mentioned there, you know, started in a kind of very traditional sense where we would run trials uh, in person. So everything that we did with clinical research participants meant that they had to travel to a, a physical location, a, a research site, whether that's a hospital or a, you know, a private clinic, where they would see the doctor and the research staff, and they would you know, complete assessments to determine if they qualify for the study, give them the study, uh, the study therapy, whatever that might be, uh, and then have follow-up visits uh, to check in on status, take blood, things of that nature. Um, as you might expect, I mean, this can be quite labor-intensive, quite time-intensive for the research participants. Um, they are compensated for time and travel, but still um, it, it makes the uh, opportunities for participating in clinical trials just prohibitive for, for many people. You know, those who are in rural areas and might be hours away from the closest research site, uh, those who, you know, work two or three jobs, you've got kids, you know, it's just, it can be, uh, it can be hard to take a couple hours out of your day once every few weeks or once every couple months. So, uh, you know, increasingly, I've recognized uh, throughout my career that, that we're not using technology uh, in a way that is equivalent to many other industries, even highly regulated industries like banking. Um, and there was kind of a resistance towards doing more with patients remotely, collecting data remotely. Um, and because of that, it kind of limited the capabilities around uh, being able to offer options like that to, to research participants. Then, of course, you know, the pandemic hit and things shifted quite quickly. That's actually when I left pharma. I was at a large pharma company um, running large late-phase trials and recognized that uh, this was in April of 2020, you know, recognizing that we were really going to have to lean into technology um, all at once to be able to 
continue running our studies because we really couldn't be bringing patients into the clinic just for the reason of, you know, clinical research uh, if it was going to put them at risk. Uh, so we started implementing things like uh, televisits and letting patients uh, answer questionnaires and things on their own devices. And uh, I got really excited about the space and I joined CureBase. Um, we, at the time, uh, and even now we're a startup, we're a growing company, founded in late 2017, uh, and we have software uh, that helps doctors, patients, sponsors of, uh, of these products um, to basically have everything they need to conduct clinical trials virtually. So, you know, consenting participants virtually, allowing participants to enter data, allowing investigators and site staff to enter data remotely, um, and giving a platform so that if we need to collect blood for our participant, rather than making them come all the way into a site, you know, we, we send a phlebotomist out to their home as an example. So it's an exciting time in clinical research. CureBase has continued to grow um, significantly over the past year and a half since I've been here. Um, and we, in addition to having the software, have really expanded our capabilities. That's kind of where my team sits around services. So we do project management and we manage the data. We have staff that interact directly with participants to really give a, you know, a comprehensive end-to-end um, -end solution for decentralized clinical trials. Wow, that's very exciting. You know, it's interesting that there obviously was a need before the pandemic, and I could see that, you, you know, your company had been moving in that direction, but the pandemic really seemed to accelerate and, you know, have the need force us to kind of go much more in that direction. But I'm curious, I know you've told us a little bit, but how significant of an impact has the pandemic been on the adoption of digital technology in the clinical development landscape? Really huge, Tom. I mean, it's it's hard to overstate, you know, when we look at things like the adoption of, of televisits um, within clinical trials. I, I'm, I don't have the exact statistics um, off the top of my head, but it's, I mean, it's incredible, um, the adoption when we're talking about, you know, in the, in the single digits now and to, um, you know, more than half of studies that had to adapt um, to some level of uh, interacting remotely with participants, at least during the pandemic. And I think what it's shown is we all kind of knew it was moving in this direction, um, but there were concerns about, you know, kind of being the first one to do this. Uh, as as you know, as your listeners probably know, you know, it's, uh, clinical trials are heavily regulated. You have to collect data in a very structured way and submit it to the FDA. And that data that you collect is the evidence that you're using to say, you know, my treatment is safe and efficacious. And if there's anything that gives, you know, regulators pause, then they might, that data might be called into question and you might have spent, you know, $20 million on a failed study because of that. So there's, I think, a lot of perceived risk. Uh, but what, what the pandemic did is it, it kind of forced everybody to say either we pause our trials, cancel our trials, delay our trials, um, which is also costly, or we take some of these technology solutions that are being used in other industries, apply them to clinical trials to, to keep things going. And, you know, what our industry is learning now that the, the dust is settling a little bit on many of those is that, you know, it, it worked quite well 
uh, in many cases. It's not always a fit for every study, but many times we can be applying technology and, you know, decreasing the burden for the participants in the study, making it easier for the research site staff to do their job, um, and all in all, you know, can have an impact on overall the cost um, of the study, which can eventually drive down the cost of drugs. So lots of adoption um, due to the pandemic, and I'm very, very much excited to see as the you know, as we move out of the pandemic um, to try and advocate for many of these things to, to stay on board. You know, I'm curious, as you're talking, uh, you've given us some examples of what kind of uh, digital aspects have come along through the clinical trial. Um, but I'm curious, so I've heard blood draws where they come home to the person. I've heard telemedicine where you're connecting with the physician. Can you tell us more about any other ways that the patients are being digitally connected with the you know, the staff and the people running the trials? Like, are there other things that they have to get information on or receive information about? Certainly. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the, the most um, advantageous thing of having these technology platforms. So when I first started as a clinical research coordinator, you know, we did everything in paper and we brought everybody to the site. Um, to do everything, and you know, there are often long stretches between these these visits for clinical trials. Sometimes it can be, you know, three months, six months. So, in order to continue uh, engaging with those participants, we would pick up the phone and call them. You know, we would send them, you know, something in the mail. Uh, now we have platform solutions like CureBase, where the participants can receive everything they need through a single web application. So at any time, they can go in and they can see what's coming up for their next visit. Uh, the, they can communicate with the research staff through that through the portal um, to let them know about any changes in their health status or if they moved or anything like that. Um, they can also receive reminders if that's something they're interested in um, using the method of their choice. So. You know, we um, I, I always joke that, like, you know, try and call a millennial on the phone and, you know, I leave them a voicemail. Like, right, it's never – it's not going to work. So, I mean, we have to know our audience and use text messages for those folks. So I think that's the biggest area for me that I'm excited about is the participant engagement piece that we can do by using this technology, by giving a single place, a single platform solution that – the research staff and the participants can interact with each other and enter data. Um, you know, the participants will often, for a clinical research study, will try and collect some what they call patient-reported outcomes. So in addition to testing their blood to see if, you know, the therapy is doing what we would hope or some other measure, some other objective measure, it's often good to hear from the uh, participants, you know, is what what is your subjective experience about this? Is it impacting your quality of life in some way? And again, we used to either bring them all the way into the clinic to have them fill out a paper questionnaire, or we might send them home with a paper questionnaire. Either way, you know, one is very burdensome to the participants to come in. The other one, you don't really know if they've when they've filled it out or if they've forgotten to fill it out. Um, where if you have digital technology. You can see in real time when someone is due. Um, you can send them a reminder, uh, and you can even, you know, have that personal touch and have uh, 
have, you know, we have coordinator staff that might reach out if it's been, you know, a day or so since they were supposed to complete a questionnaire uh, to, you know, make sure everything's okay and see if there's anything we can do to, to help get them to complete the questionnaire. This is very exciting that this is sort of the, the beginning of what could be a definite change in the way we do clinical trials. And I see how you've set up this platform and you're communicating with the patients. And I can't wait to see what could be the future of what other ways you might need to get their data, whether it be wearables or other things that might help you in understanding how the patients are doing. Um, but I'm curious if, if you see, you know, the, what you think the key innovations might be in healthcare in the next five years from your point of view. Well, and you hit on uh, one right there, Tom. One of the biggest ones is is wearables from my perspective. And we're already starting to see some of that in our clinical trials uh, where, you know, we will integrate our, our data collection platform with, um, you know, I don't want to give a name brand or anything, but, you know, a, a kind of a popular uh, device for collecting things like sleep, uh, information about sleep and um, uh, how many steps someone's taken and things like that. So uh, we can integrate those things into our clinical trials. And depending on the nature of the of the study, of the therapeutic area, of the treatment, it can make a real impact to be able to see, you know, rather than it used to be we would take blood pressure when they would come to the site once a, you know, once a month or so. Um, now with, uh, with patients, you know, permission and if it's really advantageous to the, to the treatment, um, we can be getting, you know, real time information about their heart rate or blood pressure, um, over, you know, the course of every day over the course of however long that's needed to, to really assess clinical efficacy or safety. Um, so it, it really is the, the future is kind of already here for many of those things. Um, I would say the biggest innovation uh, that I think we need to achieve over the next five years is interoperability between systems and uh, availability. So right now we have, uh, you know, electronic health records, electronic medical records that are kind of their own standalone um, system that is really hard to integrate with other platforms. There are a lot of companies that are working on solving this. Um, but there, it, it really is a tough nut to crack because, you know, even among the EHRs, there are many different, um, there are many different systems that all don't speak the same language. So then you have to create kind of a, some sort of bridge between that. And I, you know, I'm definitely not as tech savvy as our, our software guys, but, um, this is a huge opportunity for us to be able to say, enroll a participant in a clinical trial. And that participant or every patient, every person, in my view, should really have access to their data in such a way where they can say, okay, you can have access to my medical record data for the next X period of time while I participate in this clinical trial. Um, that way we're not doing what most of us are doing right now in clinical trials, which is either, getting, either asking patients about their medical conditions, medical history, um, or obtaining medical records that are, you know, extracted from an EHR, but potentially in a paper format and being transcribed into an, another electronic system, just a, a very inefficient way of using um, uh, multiple electronic systems. So we're on our way, but I think 
in the next five years, um, that's a big innovation uh, that we will see. So that combination of, you know, real-time data coming into our systems automatically from wearable devices, um, as well as uh, uh, data coming in um, authorized directly by, by participants and patients. So all of that can be integrated uh, as, part of the, as part of the clinical trial uh, program. Well, this is great. You know, I was wondering when developing a new therapy, regardless if it's a drug, device, digital therapeutic, or what have you, what would you say are the primary considerations that developers should take into account when designing their clinical research and evidence generation plan? So one thing that we've learned increasingly over the years is that putting patients at the at the center of drug development, of center of front of mind when you're developing your therapy, when you're developing your clinical trial program, um, in the end, it's it's the right thing to do, right? Because this is all about bringing new treatments to to patients. But it's also uh, it, it turns out to be the thing that gives you the most success uh, and or the best chance of success uh, to bring a new drug device or or uh, other therapeutic to market. So over the past you know 15 20 years, there's been this big kind of push towards what what's called what's termed in the clinical research industry, you know, patient centricity. Uh, and it, you know, it was quite a, a bit of a buzz term for a long time, but now we're really seeing how um, whether it's a pharma company um, or a, a digital health company that is, you know, at the very beginning part of, uh, you know, they've identified a new, uh, new molecule, a new digital health product, device, whatever it is, identify the patient population, really get to know through advocacy groups or others um, what are the outcomes that matter to them. Um, and then when they do develop a clinical research program, uh, oftentimes they will come to a company like CureBase um, or, you know, other companies um, and will, you know, basically say, like, this is, you know, we've identified uh, what we need to gather in terms of clinical evidence so that we can submit this drug to or device or, or therapeutic to regulators for, for approval. Um, and, you know, CureBase, a, a partner on the CRO side, can say, okay, let's, you know, operationalize this, see how we can get you the data that you need uh, in order to submit. And as part of that, what we're learning is in the same way that early on drug developers or, or device therapeutic developers are, are gaining information from, from patients, it's in our best interest, too, to go to patient populations and say, all right, we're going to conduct this clinical study. If we were going to do this, you know, what are the things that, uh, you know, if we're going to do the study this way, is it reasonable for you? Um, and oftentimes we get a lot of great feedback from participants, and this is, you know, across the industry when we do these things, when we take the time to ask them, um, we end up finding out that, well, in actuality, this outcome that you're measuring, it doesn't really matter to me, right? It's, you know, we, we might use a six-minute walk test, and ultimately the patients say, I don't really care about that. Like, I just care that when I get up in the morning, I don't have so much pain. Um, so it's important that early on we identify the things that really matter uh, to determining whether or not this, this drug really meets the needs. And so the biggest thing I would say is, yeah, re regardless of what kind of therapy you're developing, put the patient at the front, 
um, include all stakeholders, right? So, I mean, you want you want input from from doctors in the space. When you're developing your protocol, you want information from from uh, experienced clinical research professionals. Um, but yeah, be sure to uh, be sure to include the patients early and often, um, and try and fit them into your program as really like key stakeholders in the process. And, you know, we've shifted from calling them research subjects to research participants, I think, exactly for that reason. Now we see them as, you know, our partners in bringing these devices, drugs, therapeutics to to market. Um, We truly can't do it without them. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the same thing that we think at our company. We always put the patient first. Obviously, we're helping our clients to help the patients um, and what might seem obvious, you know, that the patient is the eventual, you know, final end user, sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle when you're busy doing everything else. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but that brings me to one other thought. I, I'm not sure if you can help me here or not, but I'm wondering as you're going to these digital approaches um, in doing clinical trials, do you think we're able to make it uh, more available more equitable, you know, have more diversity in clinical trials, or do you think it will become harder uh, to go in that direction? It's a really great uh, thing that we're uh, opening up access to right now, actually, for by leveraging some of these digital technologies. And this is an area where, you know, we we got recent guidance from the FDA. I guess it was last year um, already, but... um, yeah, there's just a lot right now happening in clinical trials. Even in the you know the COVID trials, it kind of came out right that there were companies that were really you know slowing their programs down so that they could get um, you know the right kind of diverse populations to really understand and, and make sure that uh, the, these therapies, these vaccines are working um, in, across you know many different um, people. So I think that. The fact now that so kind of going back to you know the traditional model where we had to have participants go into go into the clinical trial site and a physical site, um, it really limits. You can only open so many sites. You know there are opening sites is a as a very labor intensive and um, costly thing. Certainly we need to open a number of sites so that we can have uh, plenty of research staff. But if we can limit that to a certain degree by you know, having a having a remote site or having a physical site that can have a, a wider range and limit the amount of time that uh, participants have to spend going in, then we can tap into communities that otherwise would likely not participate. Again, whether that's because of time restrictions or um, the fact that you know they they just don't have the capability to to travel such a long distance bringing the, you know, these trials to participants' homes or a place of their choosing. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, we're now that there's this kind of shift towards really wanting to increase diversity in our clinical trials, we have to look at the other side, which is, you know, there's sometimes there's just a, a you know, a mistrust and often for good reasons within certain communities of clinical trials or the medical establishment in, in general. So, it's looking beyond just the individual trials and trying to say, as a provider of these type of uh, services, like what can we do to engage with the community through organizations such as um, CISGRIP, the Center for Information and Study on Research Participation, a, a phenomenal nonprofit group that we work with 
um, on a number of initiatives um, that really tries to go into communities, educate people about clinical trials, why they're important, why they're a good option um, for some folks. So it's looking at both things. It's, you know, leveraging that technology so that we can give more options and flexibility to our research participants so that everyone feels like they have ready access to them. And it's also doing what we can to try and educate communities about the importance of clinical trials and how they can be a, a safe and effective option for, for many people. Well, this is a very exciting time to be in, I think, now that you're um, really getting into this using digital technology in uh, clinical trials and possibly making it, you know, more available and a more diverse um, patient base. So this is very exciting. I'm curious, as we're sort of winding down here, uh, I'd like to find out a little bit, you know, about what motivates people. What would you say is a historical figure or a fictional character that you relate to or are inspired by? So one person that um, that always comes to mind uh, when I ask this type of question is um, Charles Darwin. Uh, so he, to me, you know, looking at his story in life, I mean, beyond just obviously the fact that he was, you know, brilliant and insightful, um, you know, he, he was someone who, you know, he took this big chance in his life getting on a ship that, you know, went to South America. He took this amazing trip. And uh, in doing so, he saw things that, you know, and made connections that others hadn't yet before. And the reason he was able to do that is, you know, he, he was very meticulous. Um, and he was someone who uh, knew how to, you know, both dig down into the details, but then to take kind of a broader view. Um, beyond that, you know, I think part of what made him a great scientist is that he, when he published The Origin of Species, there was no mention of, um, you know, how evolution might impact uh, humans because he realized that that was just too explosive of an idea at the time. It wasn't until more than 10 years later um, when he published The Descent of Man where, where that came up. So I think that he had that right level of, you know, deep understanding of science, dedication to his work, but also, you know, a connection to humanity to be able to know, you know, when, when things are the right time. Um, and that's something that, you know, I really try and, you know, carry some of those values with me too, so that in the end, you know, what I'm doing to try and help contribute to drug development and to, you know, development of therapies and advancement of clinical trials is, you know, both sound from a scientific perspective, but also from a, you know, an ethical and just, you know, uh, overall humanitarian perspective as well. That's great. Sounds like, like him, you took a chance and are on this amazing journey and are doing some great scientific work. So I appreciate that. Oh, that's nice. If you people want to, I'm wondering if people wanted to follow up with you, you know, see any uh, articles, websites, et cetera, what's the best way for them to be in touch? Yeah, I mean, any of your listeners can feel free to reach out directly via email if they'd like. Um, Adam, uh, A-D-A-M at CureBase, C-U-R-E-B-A-S-E, -E, uh, Adam at CureBase.com. Um, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn, Adam Sampson, that's S-A-N-S-O-N. Um, I'd be glad to, to chat with anybody. This is, yeah, a space I'm really passionate about. Um, they can feel free to check us out at CureBase.com as well to learn more about what we do. Um, so, yeah, glad to be available. 
Excellent. I'll be sure to post all those on the website. I uh, really appreciate your talk today, and uh, I also saw you at uh, a recent conference, and I hope to see more from you in the future. Absolutely. Same here, Tom. Yeah, thanks again for the time, and thanks to everyone for listening. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please check out medtechchat.com for more podcasts and blogs. See you there.